0: Hello and welcome to Trigonometry. I'm Francis Foster. I'm Constantine Kishin. And this is the show for you if you want honest conversations with fascinating people. Our guest
2: today is a fashion stylist and writer, Aisha Akambi. Welcome to Trigonometry.
1: Thank you for having me.
2: Oh, it is so good to have you here. We've been waiting for this moment for a while. We've been talking about getting you on the show for ages. So glad to have you here. For anyone who doesn't already know who you are, tell us a little bit about who are you, How are you where you are? What has been the journey that brings you sitting here?
1: Mm, um, Well, I'm actually a fashion stylist, um, and that's how most people have got to know me, uh, through the Internet. Um, And maybe around 2013, 14, I started using my voice a little more on the Internet. Um, I had a situation in my personal life where someone really close to me died. And that really changed my ideas and my outlook on the world. And I guess I was just sort of searching for answers in really strange places. I mean, I even did the whole kind of religious route, like spent some time in like churches trying to find answers, spent some time like searching through like my my family. Uh, They're Muslim. And so I spent some time trying to kind of get my my head around Islam and things like that. Um, All kinds of things, all sorts of belief systems I I traveled through. and then eventually I just kind of felt like, you know, the best thing to do is just be myself. You know, I didn't feel like I needed any sort of belief system to uh, express my views. Um, and so maybe in around 2018, I think this is how maybe you guys know me. I think it was 2018 I'd recognized there was a new sort of belief system um, that was taking hold, you know, of a lot of my friends and a lot of the people that I was around. And and even when I was kind of looking for something to believe in, if, if you like, um, I just realized that a lot of those people didn't often have self-awareness. They often weren't rooted in Just, I don't know, some of the fundamental principles that I was interested in. And then I I recognized this new thing um, kind of taking over everywhere. And and maybe some people call it wokeness. Uh, Some people call it identitarian politics. Uh, There's lots of different names for it. Um, But I made a video. It was called or I was interviewed. It was called uh, The Problem with Wokeness. I was just speaking my mind. I I didn't know anything that I was saying was potentially controversial. Um, And, yeah, here I am. And
2: you you know what? We might stick a little bit of that at the front so people can see what you're talking about. But Mm. uh, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, because it's fascinating to me, is you and I were having a conversation about you coming on the show, and we've been talking probably about a year now. Yeah, we have been. And and we set up times and didn't quite work. and, And... and and in the end, I kind of confronted you a little bit. I was like, hey, how, how have we not managed to make this happen? And you were like, you know what? I've been reluctant to come on.
1: Mm-hmm. Why is that? And my reluctance to come on, it's funny because that's the entire reason why uh, I made the video. or Why I think the interview resonated with a lot of people is... There's an idea now, and it's a, quite a prevalent idea that if you speak to someone who has the so-called wrong views, then you are wrong by adjacent. Mm. Um, and people, well, that's you, sister. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> You're you are no fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly, <laughs> um, but it's a it's a really silly idea, to say the least, because you know. If you're not talking to people who think differently, then you're speaking to the choir, you know, and, and that doesn't make sense because the world isn't made up of people who think like us. Um, and so I was somewhat reluctant. And then I kept thinking to myself, well, if you don't go on and talk to people, then... You're not being a woman of your own principles, you know, and I will speak to anybody, anybody that's reasonable, anybody that's open to conversation or who can hear something that they disagree with without that meaning that someone is hateful, without sort of deducting that that means someone is hateful. Those are the kinds of conversations I want to have. And so when you cornered me about it, I was just like, yeah, you know what, I I have to do this because, you know, there's a lot going on. And we're not talking to each other. And I think that's a a huge part of the problem.
0: The the thing that I find actually really upsetting is how if you see a person who's an ethnic minority, particularly though if they're black, the moment they come out as not having woke or liberal views, it's almost like they've betrayed their entire race. Mm -hmm. They use horrendous racist language, smear them, all the rest of it.
1: Why is that? I think people think that if you don't share their views then you are somehow letting the side down. And you can only think this because they have a very narrow conception of what it means to be uh, black or whatever identity it might be, uh, which in itself is, you know, uh, at least a form of prejudice, if you don't want to call it anything else. And it's harmful. Um, and there are many perspectives uh, and ways to view an issue. And if we are cancelling out all of those voices because they are inconvenient, uh, then we're cheating ourselves out of, like, you know, expanding our awareness.
0: And you said it's it's prejudice. Don't you think it's a form of racism, the fact that, you know, somebody will look, you know, look at somebody of a particular color and go, oh, therefore, you know, you are black, therefore you should be this, you should be that, you should be whatever else, instead of the fact that they're a human being, which being black has... You know, nothing to do with their
1: politics or whatever else. Yeah, well, I guess because in this sort of ideology, if you like, um, you can't just be black. Being black isn't actually just a skin colour. And maybe that's what I think a lot of people don't understand. Um, Being black is innately political to Mm. these people. And, And what they mean by that is something I understand is, you know, if you are black, In this conception, um, because of how other people view you, which may not always be positive, they feel like the response to that has to be innately political or that you have to be political. That is how that you are showing up for your race, if you like. Um, And so because they don't think it's just a skin colour, they think being black means that you have to be political. It's a political statement. What do you think? I don't think being black is a political statement. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think... um, you know, it's uh, it's an immutable characteristic. You know, it could have been anything else. Um, I don't think my race defines me in any way or any aspect of my identity, really. That's not the way that I think. Of course, being black means that, like, I guess I might have a bit more of a vested interest in some of the issues uh, around uh, race and racism. Um, but no, I don't think beyond that, that it informs much of my interests uh, or worldviews.
0: I was just going to finish this train of thought because... So there's this idea that if you are an ethnic minority, uh, that you have to be sort of liberal. But that doesn't also take into account... Like, for instance, my mother is from South America. Everybody can drink now. <laughs> um, but, you know, and she came to this country as a first-generation immigrant. But like a lot of first-generation immigrants, she's incredibly conservative. Mm-hmm. You know, she's religious. She's not only conservative fiscally, but socially. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take into account that actually a lot of first-generation and ethnic minority communities are incredibly socially conservative.
1: So thinking they're going to be woke is is just wrong, isn't it? Yeah, no, it doesn't. And I think it's because we have, in many ways, or sort of downloaded the American discourse around race, and we've imported it here. and And it's not sort of like a, a one size fits all t shirt, you know. Uh, but because we kind of use it that way, we're not necessarily. Um, Embracing reality, Uh, because you are right, um, you know, my parents are Nigerian. I grew up with my mother and she is very socially conservative. You know, that's very much. um, Yeah, that's very much her worldview, although she votes on the left. um, But, you know, there's even there's ways to, to even look at hip hop, if you like, you know, as somewhat conservative in its ideals if you think about the fact that it's um, very much about competition. Mm. You know, it's very much about, like, you know, consumerism, materialism. Like, it's it's very much... You know, you can even denigrate the poor just completely you can mm. just be out there and just be like you're poor so you're a piece of shit you know <laughs> you can actually say that it's i like fun, the fact yeah, you yeah, said yeah, that yeah, 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 yeah. to me as well you,
2: you <laughs> chose the right target to address here as well. and not
1: to say that that's what conservative think or conservative people think but it's a very pull yourself up by your bootstraps philosophy yes. you know that's quite innate in hip-hop uh, and so actually you know socially conservative ideas kind of exist in, in many different aspects of of different you know black communities
2: Mm. So I don't even know where to go. I mean, one, you, you say you're a, a fashion stylist and a writer, but w- w- when I watch and observe what you put out there, I'd say you're a philosopher, if anything.
1: That's kind. That's, <laughs>
2: I hope you don't think I'm overstating it, but that's definitely my feeling. Our producer is nodding over there, so yeah. I'm right, basically, okay. is what I'm saying. You're wrong about your identity. <laughs> I'm right. I get to define what you that's are. That's kind. And, and you're a we'll, philosopher. We'll clip
1: that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just just right. me telling a black woman I get to tell <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, I guess it's one of those things, I think a philosopher is one of those things that uh, you can't call yourself you know mm. if if you have anything like that that's in your being i think that should be for other people mm. to yeah. decide right. um i just uh, maybe don't get out enough and i <laughs> and i think too much yeah
2: so you do think a lot and and very very well about these issues so one of the things that i wanted to talk to you about is something my wife and i talk about all the time which is how much of this victimhood culture um uh, that you know wokeness very much has embraced and driven forward is about people projecting their own personal shit, mm-hmm. their trauma their their difficulties, whatever and and I'm not even talking about like experiences that you have as an adult. I'm talking about when you're five years old mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and then taking that and projecting that onto the world, and as we know from all the psychological research. If you come into the world with a with a with a filter, then you see that mm-hmm. f- reflecting back at you and this is something you talk about very well so tell us more about that
1: yes, um, and this is why, in what I try to put out in my message, if I can call it that, um, I very much uh, preach for the need for um, self awareness just as much as we have uh, social awareness. I think because we have uh, maybe Um, we're sort of overexposed socially, but we're not necessarily that engaged with ourselves to know where a lot of our ideas are coming from. Um, And so I do think there is, um, it's not surprising that, let's say, the mental health discussion uh, rose to the mainstream at the same time as wokeness. Mm -hmm. You know, I I think there's something uh, to look at there. Um, You know, a lot more people are, you know, uh, acknowledging anxiety, depression and It's not just about, you know, anxiety and depression can also be, can also um, impact the way that you see yourself, the Mm. way that you see the world. Um, They, The reason why they can be troublesome states to be in, apart from feeling terrible, is that it can kind of, it can distort reality. Mm. You know, it can very much distort reality. And so there is so much. And also there's, there's a reason as to why the word trauma has almost become a buzzword, some people might say, you know. Um, I'm sure if there was some, like, you know, data on, like, how much the word trauma comes up on Twitter, I think it would be extremely high. And so when you don't have an outlet to um, to sort of deal with your issues, to process your issues, I think some people can choose an ideology or a belief system or maybe wanting to change the world because I guess it's a lot easier to want to change the world than it is to look at yourself, you know, which is why we often talk about accountability. I notice everyone is always talking about, you know, you have to be accountable. You have to be accountable. Uh, But no one ever talks about responsibility. You know, responsibility is a bit of a dirty word, Mm -hmm. um, it seems to a lot of people. And and again, because it's easier to demand accountability um, from other people than it is to take responsibility for the things that you've been through And, you know, the the problem with victimhood and, you know, there's a very big difference between victimized and victimhood. You Mm. know, victimized is something we could have all felt at different points. But victimhood is a state. It's a state. It's almost a philosophy within itself. Um, it's a way of perceiving the world. Um, and it comes with its own form of entitlement. And, and the funny thing is, is, you know, is the word narcissism gets a lot of flack on the Internet. And, you know, a lot of people talk about being victims of narcissistic abuse. Um, but part of narcissism is victimhood, you know. And and so I think that a lot of people, because they, are, they don't have the means or they don't have the... Um, What would I call it? Because I think to to recognize that, you know, a lot of your ideas are are driven by a certain axe that you have, you know, against the world or, or, you know, a gripe that you have. um, I think that can be quite confronting. And we live in a culture where everybody wants to feel emotionally safe constantly all the time. Uh, and so these two things, they don't marry well, you know, like being honest with yourself and wanting to feel safe.
2: Oh, <laughs> they don't marry very well at all. No, they? Yeah. no.
1: You know, so these don't really work. And so that's why I think we're in a state where people can't truly be that honest about where a lot of their ideas are coming from. And I know this a little bit because I, I guess I was in it. You know, there was a point where I had uh, swallowed a lot of these ideas, uh, which is maybe why I'm quite passionate about speaking about them because I know how blinding they can be, you know, and we, we sort of glamorize anger and rage. And the thing about anger and rage is it's blinding, you know, like a lot of people will justify the wrong things that they do because they were angry. I was angry. I didn't mean to punch you, mm. you know, like. Yeah. And so it's, it's blinding. And so... I think anger can be maybe a an interesting place or a productive place maybe to to occasionally visit because it can make us productive and it can make us uh, it can spark ideas and creativity, but it it can't be a final resting place. Um, And so I think when you, yeah, are swallowing ideas that, you know, it's good to be angry all the time, you know, and like, everything is the fault of everyone else, you know, everything that has gone wrong in your life is to do with this person. These are very seductive ideas. And when I was um, sort of entrenched in some of these beliefs, um, yeah, it was completely a distortion of reality. You know, the fact that I had worked my way and become a stylist, and I guess as far as I guess as far as any sort of standard metric would go, I was fairly successful. Maybe you could say, you know, that doesn't mean that all my problems were gone. But, you know, I was doing well, you know. Um, But that didn't matter. It didn't matter that I was doing well because someone else was doing better, you know. And and I think this is the way a lot of people have come to, you know, conceive the world.
0: And do you think this identity or this ideology is addictive?
1: Yes, I think it can be addictive. Yes, because it's comfortable. It's what you know. Um, I don't think... I don't necessarily, I try not to demonise it too much, and that's hard, (laughs) you know, (laughs) because it's annoying. You know, it can be very annoying, but I I have to remember that, you know, I've been in a similar state. Um, I would say I I wasn't so combative when I was there because that's just not my personality. I didn't think all disagreement meant hate. Um, However, it can be addictive because um, built into the ideology, if you like, of victimhood is innocence. If you're a victim, then you're innocent. If you're a victim, then you're innately virtuous. Um, And so that is and if you're a victim, then everyone else is the oppressor and everybody else is the aggressor. Um, So it's a state that's quite um, seductive because it's one where people don't ever truly have to look at themselves. And as we may know, that looking at yourselves is hard.
2: Mm. And you you mentioned the word being oppressed and you're you're someone who, who takes a lot of care when you use words and when you think about words. And uh, you talk a lot about oppression versus discrimination. Mm-hmm. Uh, just break that down for us.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've always paid attention to the language that I use, and um, for one, because you know, even if I had a platform of just a hundred people, that's still a hundred people who are listening to me who could potentially be influenced. And if you care about people who you may deem vulnerable or the most vulnerable, I think how you speak to them and what you allow them to believe of themselves and their reality is very important. And so for me, I've always wondered, you know, like, is what I have faced, you know, oppression or is it discrimination? Because the the two don't seem to be the same to me um discrimination seems to be something that anybody could face for any reason you know you probably and, have yeah and yeah. yeah definitely you know if you're someone who's overweight if you've got ginger hair like when i was in school like those guys just got ripped on all the time <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm like, yeah that's fair enough so. yeah you know but
1: anything if you've yeah. got acne you know if you're considered to be unattractive and all of these kind of things can uh, allow you to be um uh, discriminated against your voice how you speak your accent all these sorts of things and so, um, and I have, you know, I've definitely had people, especially when I was in school. I, I grew up in Southampton. Um, my school was predominantly white; there weren't many uh, black people there. And so, there were people who, let's say, made fun of my hair. I'm like, "Oh, you've got trolls hair!" Uh, and there were people who, you know, made fun of like my features and stuff like that because they were different. Um, and at the time, of course, it was hurtful, but it wasn't, if I'm honest, truly different to anything that the ginger kid, you know, yeah. uh, wasn't going through. Um, and I would call that uh, discrimination. I wouldn't call that oppression. I think if you can go online and you can call out your government and you can say anything about white men and you can say anything about any people with very little uh, repercussion, I think that might be the evidence that, you know, you might not be oppressed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you make that point And look, it's, it's a very, I mean, it's a very contentious issue to get into, but we're going to have to get into it, mm-hmm. which is, You know, you mentioned you can say whatever you want about white men. Mm -hmm. And let's be honest, you can say things about certain groups of people that you can't Mm -hmm. say that about others. Is that sustainable?
1: No, I don't think it makes sense to talk about people in a way that you wouldn't accept yourself. Because human psychology means for every action, there is a reaction and there's a consequence. Mm. So if people feel like one group is allowed to get away with a certain type of behaviour that another one isn't, um, that's not going to work well, you know? It's not at all, because not everybody is... I mean, not everybody is versed in racial history or racial politics. Not everybody cares. We can't make everybody care. So no no matter what your justification is for why you believe it's okay to completely um, denigrate an entire demographic, um, there will be a consequence to that. So if you want to do it, Go for it. But what I would ask is it's not constructive. And if you want to be constructive and helpful for the people that you wish to help, um, this might be a way that you are, you know, completely sort of being self-defeating there.
2: Wow. So you're saying hashtag kill all white men (laughs) isn't constructive.
1: You know, it might not be the best PR campaign.
0: (laughs) Hello, guys, and welcome to a new setting for the adverts. It is Baro Del Pum Pum. Now, we've got a new advert this week. It is ExpressVPN. I know, catchy name. And not just that, also very interesting for the lads at the back. Now, gentlemen, it's always going to be the gentleman I address this question to. Have you ever been online searching for things that you don't want other people to know about? We know what we're talking about here, gentlemen, don't we? We're talking about support Peterborough United. Maybe you're just ashamed of the fact that you support Peterborough. Whatever it may be, ExpressVPN have a solution for you. Now, there's probably some smart person listening to this guy, mate, come on. Why don't you just use incognito mode? That's what they do. That's what everybody does. Ladies and on the wiser, it's all good. Well, here's the thing, gentlemen. Incognito mode isn't really all it's cracked up to be. Let me explain. The thing is, guys, incognito mode does not hide your browsing history. I don't care how many times you've deleted your search history, people can still find out what you've been watching or listening to. Your internet service provider knows what you do. That's right, you're listening to this and you've got a lovely little blush on your cheeks. And that's why, even when I'm at home, I never go online without using ExpressVPN right? So it doesn't matter who your internet service provider is. If it's Verizon, Comcast, or any other of the myriad of options, in the US it is absolutely legal for them to sell your search history to advert providers. So everybody in the corporate world will know what a dirty little so-and-so you are. ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet through their servers, so that your internet service provider can't see the naughty little sites that you visit. And ExpressVPN also keeps all of your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption tools available. So nobody will notice the naughtiness. All you need to do is visit my exclusive link, expressvpn.com trigger, and you get an extra three months On a one year package. That's EXPRESSVPN.com slash Trigger. To find out more, simply go to the website expressvpn.com slash Trigger, and then you'll be able to hide from everybody the fact that you watch this show. And The thing that I worry about when they do things like that or, you know, someone tweets, oh, it's just another old white man, Mm. is essentially you're dividing the races. Mm. You're creating a divide between the races. So there there are going to be people who look at that and go, well, you know what? I'm not going to listen to what you say anymore because I'm white, therefore I'm wrong. And then you've got a small, very toxic minority who look at that, rub their hands with glee and go, we can create division here.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think... People underestimate how much people want to be heard and how much people want to belong. Um, it's part of the reason why we have this ideology that is so sort of uh, uh, you know, dominant in the uh, mainstream right now because to, to not be a part of that is to isolate yourself and potentially leave yourself open to accusations of fascism, racism, all of the phobias. Um, and so when you are telling people that they can't speak because of uh, their skin color, or when you're speaking about someone in a way that you would no way have within yourself, you don't recognize that you also are radicalizing people. Mm -hmm. You're pushing people over to a certain side. Because if people no longer feel, let's say, that they have a voice on the left, and people don't want to listen to them on the left, Um, They will go somewhere else. I mean, the argument to that is, well, I guess if they could so easily be swayed, then they were never true leftists. Mm. And I don't think people are truly, um, truly appreciating um, human psychology there. Mm. You know, we want to be heard.
2: Mm. But it's also I mean, you say it's so easy if they so easily move to the left. It's not easy. It's taken some people 10 years to, to make the journey from being, oh, I'm super lefty to oh, wait, shit, like on this particular issue, I, I'm just not wanted. I mean, look at J.K. Rowling right mm, now, right? right. <laughs> Little Miss Lefty all the time, you know, all the right opinions, you know, all the all the right causes supporting all the stuff. There's one issue, and th- this is what I, I, I've been talking about for some time. They will always find a way in which you don't fit. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so that journey, it, it's not been like, oh, this, you know, it's so easy to tr- get people to move. It takes a hell of a lot of badgering and battering and, you know, offending and whatever to get people to make that transition. And I I see that. I think we see that happening right now. A lot of people, uh, you know, with Jake Ryan is a good example, a lot of people are going to be on her side now Mm -hmm. uh, in a way that they might not have been before because you're forcing them to to make a choice between Mm -hmm. what they know to be true and what they think is the right thing. Am I...
1: No, no, you're right there. Maybe what I meant is it's so easy as I meet so many more young people Mm -hmm. who almost see uh, being on the right as like quite... A counterculture thing to do mm. you know which is interesting because you know you know like conservatism you know sort of symbolizes tradition and you know and and keeping thing keeping the order up so it's not necessarily the most rock star thing to do you know <laughs> but um, a lot of young people are sort of seeing it that way now and so I think maybe for them it may be easier in JK Rowling's case yeah I think people do um, people who believe they have the good politics people who believe they are the good people mm. Um They are way too quick to assume nefarious intention to anybody that doesn't share their beliefs. And it's going to be a downfall. It's not constructive. Um, And it's manipulative, I think. I think it's very manipulative to call all disagreement hate. You know, there used to be a time where we would acknowledge and accept that let's say if you were religious you probably didn't really believe in homosexuality you know you didn't believe that those people had a right to marry you disagreed with them but you didn't necessarily think they hated you you just thought well this is their religion this is their belief you know but we can't seem to do that anymore you know the the gender issue and and the transgender uh, discourse uh, mainstream at the moment is complicated, for some might say. And some might say it's quite simple, you know. But however, the idea that sex and gender, sex and gender are separate is something I think majority people probably still believe in, hmm. you know, because if you don't spend your time on Twitter and if you haven't got like, <laughs> you know, a, a gender studies degree hmm. and if you you know, aren't sort of reading a lot of the contemporary um, gender texts, then you probably will think this. And so to assume that anybody who wants to fight for that category is hateful, well, then, you know, you're going to be thinking about that's a lot of black people, you know, like <laughs> yep. that's a lot of Muslim people, mm. <laughs> you know, that's a lot of people that we also on one in on one breath say that we, we want to help and that we should protect, mm. you know. And so I think especially on that issue, as it is very contentious, um, people have to start listening to each other. And I think as long as you are accusing each other and calling people names and, and trying to smear reputations, it's not conducive to... Um, the movement. It's not conducive to the trans children that you believe are vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's, uh, it's just not productive. You know, that's what I deal with. I don't necessarily often care necessarily too much about like whether it's right or wrong, because that can be subjective to lots of different people. But what's constructive? And I don't think, as we can quite clearly see, everything that's been happening in that area has been very constructive.
0: But there's also these people, and I've seen them myself, and they're people in my industry, who have for want of a better term, jumped on this debate, Mm. made it more toxic Mm. in order just to push their own brand, what they do, Mm. increase their followers, and so on and so forth.
1: Yeah.
0: And... (laughs) How big an effect do you think that has? Do you think it's just one voice or do you think that has a real sizable impact?
1: What's that? So like um, people jumping on the yeah. bandwagon yeah. of a movement.
0: Yeah, and then going, you know, silence is violence. You know, as people going, you know, like all white people, if you don't you know, support every aspect of Black Lives Matter, you are part of the problem.
1: Yeah, again, this is not, this is not grounded in reality to me. You know, there are a myriad of issues that we are silent on. Mm. So if we're going to say silence is violence, then let's just also keep that uh, message and narrative um, consistent and acknowledge that we're all violent then. Mm. You know, Mm. because there are lots of things that we are silent on that affect a lot of people, even black and brown people.
2: There was a brilliant tweet the other day. (laughs) Some people came up with the the idea that silence is consent, and they made T-shirts. Okay. The silence is content and someone just retweeted it and went, you might want to rethink this. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, yeah, okay, yeah. They didn't, they didn't think that was good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yes, I think, okay, so the thing that's quite different now is that um, what we post on social media can have a real-life impact in our real lives, mm-hmm. you know, offline. And so more than ever, I think people are incentivized to want to appear to be good people. I mean, I, I guess... Broadly speaking, we all want to be good people. However, being an honest person um, is something that some people value uh, or prioritise on the same level, you know. And I think people who want to be good people and honest people, they're always going to have some tension mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. you know, because if you're honest with yourself, you can't always be good for everyone else. Um, and so people jumping on the bandwagon of movements, ideas, uh, theories that they don't understand, don't know what they're rooted in. This is quite destructive, um, because, for want of a better word, you're you're you talk, you don't know what you're talking about literally you don't actually know what you're talking about you don't know where these ideas come from um, you don't know what the impact of these ideas are on people because you're not necessarily from that community um, you're not someone who's ever had these issues um, let's say with a lot of the um, the trans uh, discussion a lot of the people that we would say are hateful and I don't necessarily think that I think hate is a word that we dish out too easily and again I think we do it quite manipulatively because once you brand someone as hateful then you don't have to listen to them anymore hmm. you know and, and you of of, and you spread that idea, but a lot of the people who, let's say, have questions—if you like—about the mainstream, uh, let's say, transgender discussion. And I say mainstream, and I and I and I, I really want to single that out because that's not how every trans person feels. That's not the way that every trans person is is viewing that discussion. Um, but a lot of those women that we're calling hateful themselves had experienced uh, gender dysphoria. You know, and it's it's from that space that they're speaking from, you know, like someone like me who has definitely um, at some points uh, swallowed a a little bit of woke ideology or at least this ideology that very much sees the world in this black and white sense. Um, The reason why I am um, critical of it, you know, and ask us to reconsider those ideas is because I've, I've had them. And I've noticed how destructive they were to me, how exhausting they were, how um, how much I just had an inability to truly look at myself in those moments. Um, and the only person who doesn't benefit from that is me. Um, and so... Yeah. I think that, yeah, I know that was a very long... But what
2: you're basically saying, if I'm hearing it's, it correctly, is being woke is bad for your own yes, mental health and well-being.
1: I think it is bad for your own mental health and well-being because we have to be able to embrace the grey because a lot of life exists in the grey. You know, if we um, if we want to say that everybody who doesn't agree with us is hateful, then we have to get rid of many of our own family members, you know, many of the children that we're going to bring, bring into the world. It's just not... Practical or realistic.
2: Um, See, Aisha, I can tell you've fully integrated into Britain because your slogan is Embrace the Grey. Yeah,
1: really. yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. Yeah. Uh, but,
2: but look, let me, you, you mentioned, con- I mean, you keep making this point over and over about constructive and yeah. unconstructive, helpful and unhelpful. So, with that filter on, what do you make of the current protests that we're seeing and the Black Lives Matter organization as as it's impacting the world right now?
1: Hmm. I understand uh, why people want to protest. And I think if people want to protest um, for whatever they believe in, they should always have the right to do that. Do you have the right to pressure people into doing that? I don't think so. If people don't want to do that, does that say something innately about their morality? I do not think so. Um, it's very likely that a lot of us don't necessarily know in Britain, let's say, know, let's say the the plight of a, you know, a typical um, Pakistani woman in her village, you know, and us not knowing her plight. Does that reflect, you know, our morality? I don't think so. Or the fact that we're not speaking for her issues. I don't think so. People can protest uh, when it comes to the, uh, the rioting aspects, uh, which some people um, justify. Again, I come back to, you know, it constructive. Right now, we are still in the middle of a pandemic. And if we're saying that, you know, black and brown people are more susceptible to dying um, as a result of this. And people are mass gathering when before we were saying that, you know, it's, we're not ready to go back to work. And we were saying all of these things. It just seems to, again, it's not consistent. Um, and I think, you know, let's say with the writing, a lot of people, a lot of people's businesses um, who are minorities, they've lost their businesses. I don't see how that can be um, beneficial to them. Um, I think if we acknowledge that there is um, a, a problem with the American police in terms of brutality, uh, and which actually does affect people of all races, uh And if there's a disproportionate, let's say, um, a disproportionate level of violence uh, against black men, um, having young black men um, come face to face with the police, you know, because of the riots, knowing that they use brute force. Again, I don't know if that is constructive protest. um, It's going to happen, especially when um, we are not necessarily sure of all of the facts, you know, Um, and when we are more grounded in, let's say, narrative than concrete reality. um, And even when we are, you know, um, grounded in reality, people want to protest, that's just going to happen. But I think the way to do it, uh, there is a way to do it. And I think there's a way to do it that can also be um, sort of um, undermining of your overall goals.
0: And why do you think it is uh, with the Black Lives Matter movement people, we all agree that, of course, Black Lives Matter, of course they do. But the Black Lives Matter movement and the organisation is very, very political. Now, someone who comes from a country where I've seen socialism rise and fail in the most awful way possible, I read some of what they say, and I'm I'm not down with it. Really, yeah, yeah. You, don't the, you don't want to abolish the police, mate. Yeah, yeah. You know, why is it that the moment I say that, I'm going to go say to Anton, "Fucking cut that bit immediately." Yeah. But but why is that? That you that you can support Black Lives Matter, but the actual political organisation—if you criticise it, you feel like you're done.
1: Because people have made Black Lives Matter synonymous with. Being black or black people and people have almost framed it as if if you want to not be a racist, then you can only do it through this filter. You mm-hmm. can only do it through, let's say, the uh, the theory of anti-racism or through Black Lives Matter. That's not true. You know, like a lot of us can. Not be racist, you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm sure you guys have managed to, to get here today, you know, w- without necessarily perpetuating any racism, you know, and a lot of us can do this without necessarily having to... Um Embrace an organisation that might be counter to a lot of the things that we value. And that's not necessarily, again, you know, we can't use uh, racism like a paracetamol and put it on everything. You know, we can't do that. Um, It doesn't work, you know. And so it's just not. It's just not the case, even if we want it to be, that everybody who doesn't agree with a certain way of doing things is doing it because they think that you're an inferior race. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I think because, you know, Black Lives Matter is huge, it's global. I think we just genuinely think that this is the only way that you can support black lives. This is the only way that you cannot be racist. Uh, Again, I think it comes back to the fact that this ideology or this worldview, if you want to call it that, is very black and white. You know, exactly. uh, you know, um, excuse the pun. Um, but yeah, I think that's why.
2: Do you support Black Lives Matter?
1: Um, I. Well, not necessarily in any sort of um, meaningful sense, as in I'm not tweeting about it. I'm not, let's say, hashtagging it on my Instagram. I, I didn't post a black box, although I, I guess a black box wasn't about um, Black Lives Matter. I think we've, we, uh, we learned. I... I support black people and I support people being honest and I support people being grounded in, um, rationality and facts. I don't support people, um, putting fear into people who, p- into people's lives who are already vulnerable uh, for whatever means. Um, I support black people and there's many ways that I can do that. I support all people actually, but I can support people through means that are not uh, that. That doesn't work for me.
2: See, So let's take what you've just said, which I think is an eminently sensible, reasonable, sane, balanced Mm -hmm. statement. If you were to, I mean, you might get in trouble just for saying it here. You might. But if... we we all know that if I I would or Francis was to go on the radio tomorrow on the TV tomorrow and make that exact statement I I support black I support all people actually yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah. like you look look
2: at him sweating right now yeah
0: Yeah. well it doesn't help the voice mate yeah yeah I support all people actually mate
2: (laughs) just to let you know you know and and, and you say well I don't like you're you're quite careful about exactly what you think and, and and which, which I think is how all human beings ought to be, right? You, you don't just, you know, bend the knee and, and go for whatever it is that's being shoved down your throat. You think, well, he, let's look at the website. Let's look at what the statements are. Let's Oh, what well, they want to demolish the nuclear family. Maybe that's not for me. They want to get rid of the police. Maybe that's not for me. They want to abolish capitalism. You know, maybe that's not... For, like, you take all these things and you go, well, on balance, I don't support this organization, but I support black people. And mm. actually, I, I want all people to, you know...
0: Mm.
2: Why is it that... For you know, for for one of us to say that you know, it it's it's over if you like. Mm.
1: Because um, well, you know, we don't know. I might get in trouble for that. So I guess we'll wait and see. What, what, my my <laughs>
2: my real question is, why should any of us get in trouble for that?
1: Um, because again, we uh, we have a very simplistic understanding of human beings, and this is something that that worldview very much encourages. And so we do this thing called mind reading. And so what we hear, so you they might you might say, um, well, I support black people. However, I don't support the aims that are listed in uh, the Black Lives Matter sort of um, yeah whatever manifesto or manifest. whatever yeah. yeah. I don't support their, their manifesto. Um, what they hear is, I don't I don't want black people to live you know like you know that we're hearing different things I think Um, people don't necessarily listen to language because we think that we understand who people are you know this is you must be that person if you don't believe this Um, again it's just a very simplistic view of human beings because they have a very simplistic understanding of themselves if you had a complicated understanding of yourself and if you knew the grey that exists within you and if you knew that you had the ability to let's say understand an idea without Necessarily, and maybe even yes. You, know, so you So, if you knew you had the ability to understand an idea, but that doesn't mean that you um, condone an idea. Um, if they knew that, then they wouldn't necessarily think that nobody else uh, had the capacity to do such a thing. Um,
2: right. So, you're saying really is it's the simplicity of their thinking yes. that makes them think that other yes. people think in such yes. a simple it's way? So, it's a
1: projection. It's uh, a projection. I hadn't thought about it like that. Um, because. Any, you know, the um, the inability to accept uh, complication, I think, is the inability to accept it within yourself. Yeah. Or complexity, rather.
0: Mm. I mean, and the thing that I find troubling about all of these movements is is the performative morality aspect mm. of them. Like, just going on my Instagram, the number of white middle-class
1: people who... I can't, bought, I can't watch it. I can't bear <laughs> it. <They laughs> I can't. But
0: who like, ten books on race. This is everything that I'm learning today on race. you're like... Who is this for? Who is this for, these six Instagram stories?
1: And it's painful. It's painful to watch and honestly, ever since this has started, I go on social media, I reply to people, I post if I need to, I don't scroll, I don't look, I can't bear to. And the thing is, I don't hold, I mean, I... It's not that I'm, necess- well, I'm I'm frustrated with people. I'm not angry at people necessarily because they're doing what they're told. Because if you don't do this, then you are a, a racist. You know, if you don't do this, then you want me to die. You Come know, on, mate, get on your knees.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, this yeah, is, this yeah, yeah, is yeah. all directed. At <laughs> right. get, get on your knees, mate. Come on. This is what
1: we. This
2: is what the viewers are triggered exactly. want to see. Mm.
1: And so, because people have bought into that idea, um, this is what they think uh, they need to do. Um, And I can't bear it because any sort of person uh, of my orientation just finds it completely condescending. And, you know, but it's also sad for those individuals because you can't actually win. You can buy the books. You can do all of this. But as soon as you put one foot out of line, you know, they're going to attack you and they'll do it mercilessly, you know, because it's not it's not about revolution or restructure or anything like that. It's often just about revenge, you know. And so you can read all the books that you like, you know, it's not going to change, uh, you know, your immutable characteristics Mm. as far as people who are committed to seeing the world in a certain way are concerned. Um, so that's why it saddens me as well because I get it, you know, I'm sure it's well-intended um, and I'm sure part of it is, you know, um, let's say um, reputation control, you know, damage limitation. Um, but I'm sure, it, you know, it's coming from a place where, you know, this is what I've been told to do, so this is what I should do. Um, but again, the problem with the, the statement listen to all black people or listen to black people is the suggestion that um, all black people think the same because what happens if you, you listen to, let's say, you read one book, and this book says something else. Mm. Then where are you? What do you do now? This book says something completely different about how to counter racism, or how to be as a white person in this fight against racism. Um, there is no genuine general consensus, you know, when it comes to uh, a lot of these ideas. There isn't. Um, I disagree with a lot of my black friends. I disagree with a lot of my white friends. Um, and that's the way it should be. You know, the The goal, I hope, is that we can um, disagree respectfully and that we can maybe ask each other, why do you feel that way? You know, what, rather than saying, like, you feel this way because of this. I mean, it doesn't take much to ask, why do you feel that way? You know, why do you have this stance or, you know, what brought you to this stance? You know, that's, that's not hard to do.
2: It's interesting to me. You talk about this idea of listening to black people. I don't. I don't hear many people like you on my television. I'm not that I watch much television, yeah, but yeah. you know, you see the, the clips that are go do the rounds on social media. Yeah. You see how mm-hmm. these come. You know, I've been on TV a number of times talking about some of these issues a little bit. With with on the other side of me, there's people who they don't they don't sound like you. Yeah, they don't say what you say. Yeah, they have a very different view, and that view seems to be the only view that yes. a black person gets to have on TV. You know, you either. You know, let's be honest, a race baiter, or or you're not there. To Every now and again, you get somebody coming on. But broadly speaking, that is. So when we talk about listening to black people, why aren't they listening to you?
1: Well, because... Why do they have
2: to go on YouTube and and watch you here instead of seeing you on their TV screens? Because you've got a very interesting...
0: Mate, shut up. We need the views.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well... um, they call people with my view um, tokens or they say that it's a privileged view to have or they say that, you know, this view doesn't represent X, Y, Z, you know, that she doesn't speak for us. You know, I don't actually speak for you. I speak for myself. But, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of people who um, also um, have a similar idea. And there's going to be, of course, like um, subtle differences and things. But um Yeah, it's because it's um, it's politically incorrect to have a person like me on the show because I don't know. I mean, for one, there is a a big um, there is a war on reason, you know, and there is a war on what I would call common sense. Um, You know, everything I'm saying, I don't think is necessarily profound. I am saying that you have to treat people how you wish to be treated. Um, You know, 101, we teach toddlers this. Um, But. You know, I guess this view uh, doesn't shake as many people up, you know. And I guess whether it's about ratings or whether it's about pushing a certain narrative – for whatever reason, they want to make people believe uh, that people like me don't exist. And if we do exist, that we you know we must be Tories or we must be um, privileged, uh, both of which I am not. Uh, or at least I did not grow up, you know, you know, with a silver She's spoon. She's
2: coming over to mm-hmm. the right. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, I didn't grow up with a silver spoon is what I mean. Um, I was just messing yeah, with yeah. you. Yeah. Um, and so... Yeah, I mean, considering, you know, a lot of people would like to say, you know, black people aren't a monolith. You know, like this is a slogan, one of the slogans that I hear often. But as soon as you act like you're not a monolith, then, you know, they they quite quickly remind you why you should be. Um, so it's a very confused um, way of seeing the world. Um, I think if people have, I think if a, a lot of mainstream uh, news channels have people on who are saying the opposite to what I'm saying, then it looks like they are doing the work, you know, as, as they're told to do. Um, someone like me, I think they don't think is representative. The,
0: the It's interesting that you say that. One of the phrases that I keep hearing, and I, I don't know why it makes me feel uneasy, is the words, be an ally. Yeah. As if we're in this perpetual war. war. Yeah. And, Okay, maybe maybe that's my white privilege that I have never seen this war happen. It's yeah
1: where does that come from? Because I guess we a lot of people do feel like you know. Existing is a battlefield. You know, you, you very much hear sometimes people say, you know, I've had white people say to me, you know, Aisha as a black woman. I'm sure, you know, you just waking up is like, you know, uh, a revolutionary act. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> really? <laughs> you know, I woke up with, you know, with ease, my alarm clock, just like mm. anybody else. I, I wouldn't have called it revolutionary. <laughs> um, <laughs> however, you know, there is this idea and, and he says it to me trying to be complimentary and right. bless him. You know, I think <laughs> he's sweet. He's just talking to the wrong person. You know, I don't see it as um, complimentary, but I, I understand, you know, his intention. And so when people are convinced that they are living on a battlefield for whatever reason, because um, we can all we can all whip ourselves up into any um, false state of reality that we like. Um well, then, yeah, I guess, you know, uh, the idea of having allies rather than friends, hmm. you know, is, is is more appealing. I don't need an ally, personally. Uh, I don't want an ally. Um, I'd like to talk to people. I like connections with people, acquaintances, associates, friends. Um, I don't know what an ally is. An ally to me seems to be someone who has to pander to everything I say because I am black. That seems condescending. Um, I don't want that. And also my view doesn't represent what every black person thinks. Um... I don't want that. If you're a friend or if you're an associate or someone that I can share a connection with, surely that's enough, you know. I don't need you to fight my battles. Um, There's nothing you can do that's going to liberate me. Um, Talk to your nan if you want or don't, you know. I really don't care. Um, I don't, you know, it's, it's almost, you know, it's... People have a democratic right to dislike me, you know, if you want, you know, even for my race, if you want, you don't have a right to obstruct me, you know, and that's what I care about, you know, but most people think that their cultures are superior, you know, most people feel, you know, more important than the next person. I guess there's a part of living where we may have to, you know, uh, which is why maybe we won't go into the fire, you know, like to save someone so we can save ourselves i don't know i just i've have never felt the need for an ally every time that someone has tried to be an ally to me i've just felt uh, incredibly uh, patronized and it's okay because i get it you you know i get that you're coming from a place where, for one, you've been told to come from and also that you want to help. But to want to help is to assume that being black is a disadvantage to me or is to assume that being black worse is a disability to me. you know. And I find those ideas, uh, again, troublesome to say the least.
2: So how do we make this better?
1: That's a shitty question. No, I mean, it's a good question because maybe, exactly, <laughs> maybe I don't quite know how to answer it, but I'll try to answer it. I think we need courage, you know, Mm. I think we need integrity. Um, these are words I don't see thrown around too much. I see the word ally a lot, you know. I see the word good person. I see the right side of history. You know, I see those kind of things, um, in the, uh, the digital arena. But I think we need to be courageous. We need to have principles, not just beliefs, you know, because I think there's a difference between principles and beliefs. You can believe something because it's trendy too. But if you have a principle, let's say, to, um, principle of fairness let's say you have a principle of fairness that that sort of determines how you speak to people that determines what you won't do even though it's popular to you know and so i think we need to develop principles not just beliefs because beliefs change with the wind you know they're fads most of the time ideological fads um but you don't fall into these fads when you have principles i think we need to be able to um trust ourselves to some degree. I, I think we all should be more curious and interested in each other. I think we shouldn't assign... um ill intent to everybody i I think that's quite paranoid i think it's self-important because i think if you're living in the real world you understand that most people are indifferent to your existence you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. um it's not about hating you and if you if most people even understood how much most of us like hate ourselves to whatever degree (laughs) you know we don't have time you know to hate someone else for the most part we might have some stereotypes you know there are stereotypes that we all have about each other and we can diminish those when we speak to one another so we have to speak to one another you know we can't afford to see um every conversation that is uh, let's say um passionate or difficult as emotional labor life is emotional labor (laughs) you know existing is emotional labor to some capacity and if these things matter to you then talk to people that's that's all we have
0: Hmm. And I think this is an awful question as well. I feel that things are getting worse. Mm-hmm. I don't, and that's really sad for me because I grew up in South London and I saw things getting better. I saw people becoming more tolerant, becoming more open. It feels we've taken a regressive step back.
2: Because let's just be clear when you were growing up, people were properly racist.
0: Yeah, they were properly racist. So, like, for instance, I grew up in a part of South London. The, the pub down the road for me was a BMP pub and England flag flying all the time, Uh, my family, uh, cousins who came over from Venezuela, racially abused, called the P word, all the rest of it. And I saw London and society as a whole get better, not get perfect, but get better. Mm -hmm. Do you think we're at real risk of going back to that place or maybe a different place, which is equally worse?
1: I relate to you when you say that things are getting worse. And I think if we spend enough time online, it can be uh, very despairing and very demoralizing um, and isolating. And that's one of the reasons as to why uh, I think this movement um, deserves uh, a lot of critical analysis and interrogation, because if they believe that they are speaking for the minorities, I don't believe that they are. I think they're speaking for an ideology, you know, because when a black brown person, gay person, trans person doesn't subscribe to these ideas, then, you know, you call them fascists, you know. So this is a, a, a movement that is, um made a lot of people feel extremely alienated. Um, and I think there are consequences to that alienation. And so maybe it's one of these cases where it has to get worse before it gets better. Um, I don't know if it's sustainable to um, to build a worldview on things that aren't necessarily true, or at least not grounded in facts. Um, but then, you know, when I when I meet someone who isn't on Twitter, you know, I, I, do, I, I, do, I do sometimes, you know, see that glimmer of hope. Yeah. Um, because, yeah. But, you know, but the, the problem is, is that it's very influential. You know, like I have um, black and mixed friends from Southampton uh, who, again, they know nothing about race, nothing at all. They've. They are, let's say, you know, fairly working class, like they get along with everybody. They 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 date any anybody of any race, uh, you know, and I'm seeing some of them on Instagram, you know, just when I because like I said, I am not scrolling. (laughs) But, you know, I'll go in to check a message and then I'll see like someone from Southampton um, talking about every reason uh, why um, she is oppressed now, Mm. you know, and I and she never felt that way before. You know, she never saw herself like that. And I don't know if her now seeing herself through such a lens, I don't know what that does for her. Mm -hmm. You know, and and that's my my real issue with this. You know, I think life is complicated and tough enough. And we are asking people to essentially view themselves through the lens of people that you are convinced dislike them. What about
2: the argument, which some people might make? It applies less in your case because... If this person's black, you're black, then presumably you would be able to talk about these issues before. But, like, if a white person, let's say, was to say, well, you know, I have a black friend and, you know, he didn't used to think this way and now he does, a lot of people might say, well... Actually, he did think that way. He was just not prepared to talk about it because because what has happened is the Black Lives Matter movement has allowed a voice for people who've otherwise not been able to speak.
1: Mm. Well, yes, I think anybody who is a minority within a majority, I think there are um, quite natural things that you could feel, you know, and this could work anywhere in the world, you know. Um, so there are. um genuine feelings, I think, of maybe sometimes not feeling like uh, you belong um, and not feeling like um, and maybe, you know, some feelings of inferiority that you've internalized through uh, media portrayals and and all of these kinds of things. I I think those things are real. Um, However, you know, uh, let's say a movement might like Black Lives Matter might might articulate, let's say, some of these things that you felt and didn't know how to put words to, but maybe what's not necessarily there is that, like, everybody is against you, you know, and, like, everybody who doesn't understand your experience um, it doesn't understand from a place of racism, as opposed to we are all occupying different realities, you know. So let's say if your worldview is completely comprised of everything you've experienced, Why is it so hard to understand that someone else's is, you know, you know, and and, and I think once we kind of can understand that we are all occupying uh, this world in very different ways, um, I I think that can help. It, It doesn't have to just because someone doesn't understand everything about you and how could they, you know, we don't even understand everything about ourselves. You know, that doesn't mean that like they are gunning for your downfall you know, and I think, again, like teaching people these things to people that you guys deem vulnerable, I think, I think is irresponsible.
0: Hmm. Do you think we're quite patronising the way we see ethnic minorities in this country in the sense that, you know, that how we, you know, we can't say this because, you know, you've you've got to protect them or whatever else or, do you see where I'm going with yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. And I sometimes do your own, I, own cancellation. Yeah, mate. That's yeah. where you're fucking going, mate. Yeah. But, but, but I just sometimes see the way that people, t- you know, discuss these issues, and you know, oh, you, you can't say it like this. You've got to now say it like this. And it's like they're an adult. They're intelligent. They can decide on their own merits whether they agree or disagree. Yeah. Why do you feel that you have to protect people?
1: Yeah, because I guess they don't recognize the difference between um, compassion and pity, yeah. you know. Fair. And I think uh, a lot of people think compassion is pit- – no, they've mistaken their, their pity for compassion. Um And so when you pity someone, you kind of innately see them as like – Below you, to some degree, you know, lesser intelligence, and you know, um, a bit childlike. You know, I think they, they, I think the the trope is like the noble savage. You know, that they're, they're not, they're not able to think for themselves. We must protect them. Um, and it's not something that I know is um, all. English or white people doing? It's people who are tethered to the idea of what it means to be a good person or what it means to be an ally, um, and that's why we have to be careful. Um, anybody, let's say who you know, if you're if you're committed to seeing your life as a battlefield, go for it. But you have to be careful that when you're asking for allyship, you're not asking people to um, uh, to pity you, you know, and to treat you like a child. And to tread on eggshells around you uh, because nobody who if they if if someone doesn't feel like they can be honest with you, they don't respect you very much. I know that in myself. I mean, I, I try to respect everyone, you know, a base sort of universal level. However, the people that I think are most intelligent are the people that I don't tread on eggshells around, you know, and, you know, more and more. I can see people are inviting in a worldview where they're asking for that. You know, and it's not the same as being thoughtful. It's not empathy. You know, empathy isn't pandering to your worldview. You know, empathy is being able to understand where you might be coming from. Um, So, yeah, I do find it uh, incredibly patronizing, but then many people don't. Um, But what I would say to a lot of people is read the room, you know, like in the sense of I think if you if you speak to someone, you can see who needs this sort of protection. Hmm and who doesn't, you know, but again because people are different, it's not a one size fits all, Um, so what one black person may enjoy and feel is like, you know, allyship or solidarity, another person just sees as entirely condescending Mm. Hmm.
2: Aisha I I mean, we could talk for hours and uh, you talk about the need for courage and clarity on this stuff, I want to acknowledge you for being courageous and coming on the show (laughs) Thank you. Uh, and being very clear about a lot of the stuff and Life is complicated, man.
1: Yeah, life is complicated, and we shouldn't undermine that to um, promote a narrative because if we're doing that, I just think we're harming the people that we claim to want to help. Mm. Um, we need them to be able to embrace the grey and uh, because we need them to be able to embrace that within themselves or at least at least acknowledge it's there. Mm.
0: Embrace the grey. Well, we've got one final question for you. Mm. And it's a question we always finishes with, uh, which is what is the one thing we're not talking about as a society that we really should be?
1: Maybe we're not talking about um, how easy it is to become the thing that we dislike and how sometimes um, the thing that we strongly dislike in other people is an unchecked part of ourselves. So maybe we should be talking about our own capacity for destruction.
2: That seems very apt at the moment. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it does. What's the Nietzsche quote? Uh, when you're fighting monsters. Those who oh, fight monsters abbass. should yeah. see
2: to it that they do not become monsters themselves. Yeah. For when you stare into the abyss, the abyss also stares into you. Oh, right, I might not need to fucking show <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Aisha, where can people follow you?
1: Um, my my Twitter or my Instagram, uh, that's uh, my name, Aisha underscore Akambi. That's A-Y-I-S-H-A-T underscore Akambi, A-K-A-N-B-I.
2: And you're working on a book?
1: Yes, I am. Um, so yeah
2: well we'll get you back on to talk about it when you've got it out thank you very much for watching and listening we'll see you very very soon with another interview or a live stream
0: absolutely if we don't get cancelled and thrown into the river see you soon guys